Welcome to First and Fifteen, the show that takes you around the UK flag football scene. Sponsored by Nuola, your customised sportswear supplier. Hello everybody and welcome once again to another episode of First and Fifteen's coverage of the 2021 Baffin National League Southwest Conference. I'm Lewis Phillips and I am, as ever, joined by my fellow co-hosts Jay Ballamy and Gareth Price. And today we are going to be taking a look back at the weekend that was Game Day 2 in the SWC. How are we gentlemen? Did we have a good weekend? I had a very good weekend, Lewis. How was your weekend? <laughs> this is probably not as good. I, I also we thoroughly get enjoyed my weekend. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's quite nice, isn't it, Gareth? When it's you lovely. Yeah. You, you play football. It's really enjoyable. I really enjoy it. You know, it's the Isle of Wight. It was, it's a nice trip over for us. Uh, you know, again, burgers and, and beer available in the clubhouse. Just, just a very pleasant way to spend a Saturday. And I have to say, I will shout out Cheltenham for their hospitality because they were very, very um, good hosts. We had a barbecue afterwards. There was a, there was a bar, thanks to the rugby club. The facilities were very good. How was your weekend, Lewis? Well, whilst we're on the subject of um, uh, of, of good organisation, yeah, shout out to Berkshire Renegades who put on a very well run day. Um, the you know everything you you asked for, painted lines, straight painted lines. Wow. Like yeah, um, Penny was was great as I mentioned last time. Getting all the getting all the information to us in time. There was you know changing rooms were put on. All right, there's no barbecue and beers, but. Um, no, they, they, they run a, for a, for a first year team. Yeah. Very well run, uh, well, well run day. So hats off to them up for that. And, and the results? Well, we'll get to that. So, uh, okay. let's, let's, let's dive in, shall we? And, and we'll, uh, start as we did before with the games that, uh, that took, took place in Cheltenham, um, which kicked off this game, I think was the Kings victory over the Falcons green. Do you want to take us through that, Jay? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, off the top of my head, the score's 19-7. Oh, I got that right. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, good. Yeah, um, yeah, nine and seven. Yeah, so we obviously played your your green extra team, um, Lewis, who are, from what I can tell, compromised of most of your experienced players, minus yourself and and probably one other. Um, the outfit were very good, very disciplined in what they were doing. Um, I think Ethan played quarterback for yourself, and and really the game came down to. Um, a couple of good moments from from our team breaking the line. Um, uh, Paddy from your side stood out massively as a blitzer and also as a sort of middle linebacker when he decided not to blitz. I thought he, was, he had a really really good game. Um, he was our MVP. General, he was your MVP. I just did on socials. Um, yeah. I thought I thought in general the the Kings defense played well against um, the Falcon offense. I'm not. I don't. I don't have anything particular to pull out about the Falcons' offense necessarily that was bad. I think it was just a case of some good tackling on our side and some short concepts with Ethan, um, who then looked to for, force the ball deeper than he probably should have done on occasion where he got behind the chains, um, which led to some some four and outs. Um, and on offense, from the Kings' perspective, we played fairly okay, but it was a bit rusty and a bit like we hadn't warmed up. Um, I think we drove the ball fairly consistently, but then when we, when we got down to the red zone, we would we would falter. So um, I think the scoreline was probably fair in the sense that, you know, the Kings were probably the better team in the game. I think it could have been a lot more one-sided for a few pieces of better execution. Um, but on the balance of things, I think the Falcons' defence, as they always do, played really, really well. 
we all had it as a, a fairly high-scoring affair, and uh, I think that's a testament, perhaps, to defenses playing really well. That it was actually quite a lot lower scoring than we had. I mean, you had you had it thirty-nine, thirty-three. Gareth had it thirty-two, twenty-six. I had it twenty-nine, twenty-eight, and uh, and there we are with nineteen-seven. It was very Sunday league in that two of our players didn't turn up until we were halfway through the first half. Um, two of our two of our really speedy receivers, who uh, ironically were very slow to get up in the morning um, and, they know, and they know who I'm talking about so I don't want to make excuses for it not being more high scoring because of that but I think there's there's definitely some first year team uh, errors going on that prevented us from probably taking the taking the scoreline to the next level but a good foundation for us to work on going forward um, and again I, as I always do when I play Exeter I think the defence is a really well run unit and I think um the scheme that gets put in there is very, very clever. So, uh, yeah, we probably were all a bit ambitious in our in our high school there. Yeah, hats off to um, to uh, our defensive captain Ed, but probably I think in this case more Will, who's taken on that D D captain role for the Greens. Um, we've kind of been, I guess, uh, neglecting the uh, the defense a little bit. I think in training and in terms of scheme, like you know, every, I, I always try and make up some sort of make, make changes to the playbook to keep it fresh year on year. And perhaps the defensive scheme was getting a bit stale. So hats off to those two between Ed and, and Will, our defensive guys um, who have been sort of putting a little freshness, a little couple of wrinkles to our defensive scheme just to uh, freshen up a little bit. So I'm glad to see that that's kind of paying off. Um Maybe less so uh, in game two as um, the Falcons went down to uh, the Neptunes fairly early on, as I understand. Yeah, and from what I gathered in game one, playing the Falcons' defence, it very much is designed to keep a lid on the top. Um, and as Gareth has previously discussed before when he played Cheltenham, how many weeks ago it was, four or five weeks ago now, um, Cheltenham like to take the top off of defences so it's, mm. it's the unstoppable object and the immovable force sort of situation they, yeah. one of them's going to win um, and Cheltenham are they, they have some very very quick players and a quarterback with a huge arm um, and I don't mean this disrespectfully at all to the Exeter Falcons uh, you're not as quick as them it's quite simply <laughs> the, the reason why that happened and genuinely there were I, and Chapman, forgive me if I'm, I'm summarising it too bluntly. I don't think there were a lot of drives where there were a lot of progressive work ball down the field. There are a lot of, oh, OK, that, that deep shot didn't work. Let's flip the play and let's run it the other way. And oh, OK, he's caught the ball and we've scored. And OK, that's done. It wasn't, there was no complexity to this game. It was simply Chapman threw the ball deep and they caught it and they scored. Um, and that was it. So I, I, extra on offence, very, very... Um, basic, I would say again, very good defense from the Chapman Neptunes. Good tackle, very tackle sure. I don't think there were a, a grand amount of turnovers as of what I would have expected. So there was no real error in passes. It was more uh, uh, an execution and um, probably not lack of range or confidence. Just everything was kept very simple and very in the box, and it meant that Exton never really got out of second gear. I think. Alrighty, well, let's move on swiftly um, to the last game of the day. This I had down as my uh, I, I thought was going to be the black uh, the dark horse for um, game of the week. Um, Neptune's Kings 
Uh, what's the score do we have here? Um, it was thirty-three uh, twenty-five to the king. That's that's right. Probably. Yeah, yeah. Um, very tense game. Very tense game. And I think this is one of you know, like you said, it was one of those ones you could circle and actually you could say genuinely it's probably for a position later on in the year. Um, because two new teams, two teams with good talent respectively on either side of the ball. I know Cheltenham have been going for two and a half years now, so they've had a time to, to bet in, but the Kings are fairly newish. Um, the game was very back and forth. I think we scored first, and by the time we got to halftime, it was only 7 all. Um, and then in the second half, the defence for the Kings did a really good job of taking the ball away from Justin a couple of times to give a short field position. And we did a really good job of executing on top of that and, and making them pay, to be honest. The scoreline's kind of, I hate to say flattering the Neptunes in a sense, but we scored with something like 50 seconds to go. So it was 33-18 or so, or 19, whatever it was, um, which is a lot bigger margin than Cheltenham have gone down and scored again in sort of runoff time. So um, that margin could have been a lot larger, if, if you will, if you don't count that. Again, Cheltenham's, Cheltenham's basic strategy is throw the ball deep, but cleverly Craig, what Craig had done is put, one of our fastest players at safety um, and just let him track the deep ball all the day. So we, uh, we stifled that a little bit more than I think they uh, they were expecting. And there wasn't a lot of execution on their plan B, I would say. There definitely was a plan B, but I don't think they'd practice it nearly as much as they would have liked to going into it. So um, probably the, the lesson that's learned out of that for them. Um, I think we played well as a unit for the Kings and it'll be a good step for us to go, uh, go again in a, in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, I think I'd, I'd like to see a rematch of that uh, in a friendly capacity. Obviously, we don't play each other again this season, but um, yeah, a good one for the neutral, perhaps. Yeah, um, good good spectated um, game, I think, and and they definitely came up to us afterwards and said, "Oh, we you know we'd love to play you again because it's just such a it was genuinely quite an even game at times." Don't get me wrong, I'm I, I'm saying about the scoreline, but I think. You know, on a different day with different, you know, a couple of different personnel there because of whatever, mm. you, you you end up in a, a different win. Um, so yeah, it, it'll be one of those ones that I'd like to see played over and over again for the next few years. Yeah, once you've once you've seen someone, you've got some tape on them as well, and you can prepare for certain things, and then it becomes like, how do you learn from your mistakes, and which team adapted better from the first time round? And yeah, yeah absolutely. It is a shame that this season that we only get to play each other once. I'm certain mm. that we're going to come to another couple of games later in the show where a rematch is warranted. Um, it, it, it's been great to get back to flag football, but I do miss the playing each team twice. It adds yeah. a whole new dimension to a league. Likewise, yeah. Yeah, yeah it, but it, what, it, what I found is in general, it's kind of a scramble for information. I get people asking me on you know various socials about oh you've played this team what do you think and how do they play and and could you just do this and what we're thinking about doing this and this works it's it's much more college style isn't it it's very much this game really matters and we've got to put all of our resources into make sure we win that one game and then it's done you can forget about it move on to the next one yeah because yeah, you're not you're not going to get a second bite of the cherry no absolutely and we and we do things on offense and, and defense that we would say are you know, tiny little wrinkles that you can you can happily throw into the game because you're only going to play them once, so they're not going to recognise it and try and build off your wrinkle again. So you can genuinely run your whole whole um, game plan, which is nice. You don't have to hold anything back. Uh, there's no none of that sort of chess match. So, uh, but yeah, on the day we were very pleased as a unit to come away two and zero. So I think we've played in 
something silly now, like six or seven game days where we've gone one and one. So to finally go two and zero oh on the day was was fantastic. Any uh, any players on any of the three teams that particularly uh, stood out to you, Jay? Yeah. Uh, so as I've mentioned for Exeter, it would have been Paddy. I think he's number seventy two. Um, yeah. It, for Cheltenham, number 15, apologies, didn't catch his name, but he's uh, rapid. Luke, Luke, Luke. Cavallaras, yeah, I yeah. mentioned him last time. I just called him UK Tyreek, even though he <laughs> looks nothing like him, but he's, he's so fast and he tracks the deep balls so well. Um, you can you can throw out another shout out to Justin, um, although I don't think he had his finest day. I think he definitely would have, he's got the character to have learned from it, um, but he absolutely has got such a cannon of an arm. He's an absolute weapon. Um, and then for us, I'd say our big performer was probably uh, Charlie Roberts, who not only in the first, you know, he's a completely offensive player, never played defence in his life, really. And then we throw him on defence against Cheltenham and he came away with a couple of picks and a couple of breakups. Um, so, yeah, a, a good, there was definitely standout players from every team. And I think, I don't think the skill level was particularly mismatched anywhere, um, which was one of the fears that we had from the sort of Prem Div 1 mushed up uh, scenario. Um but it was a it was a case of which team had probably the most experience on 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 the field and probably we edged it for the king. All right, cool. Well, let's um, head on over then to our second game of the week, second game day of the week, uh, over on the sunny Isle of Wight. Um, and <laughs> how did this go? how did this go, Gareth? Because I I was very much aware that there was some issues with the ferries uh, all week. Let's start from before we even arrive. So, uh, I mean, we we were originally going to come from Portsmouth. I, I think Reading were always booked on the on the Southampton ferry, but uh, we ended up changing fairly last minute and going from Southampton. Uh, and it was it was very easy, thankfully. Um, ev- <laughs> everything ran smoothly. Although I did get a surprise call at uh, half six in the morning to say you're getting picked up soon for the for the nine o'clock ferry. Um, ended up getting the eight o'clock ferry. We're at island, we're at the island hours before we needed to be, but oh. uh, better safe than sorry. Gave us time for a, a good long warm up. Um, and then so there were changes made to the the original schedule with this. So I ended up, I think, I, I was in the chat with Neil and, and Roger while and um, Home Alone whilst they were organising who's going where, just so I had eyes on it um, from a sort of buffer committee point of view um so i ended up not having any idea what the schedule of the day was ended up being i, I didn't until i got there I, I think i saw every conceivable arrangement in the run-up <laughs> to that game day um but we started with the the big one um sharks devils Oof. was the the opening game um and uh, I wouldn't have said it went to script. Um, now, I know Jay has, has chatted to, to some of the devils, so we'll have, uh, we'll have their opinion on how it went as well, because um, I think it is important to get both views of this. But from, from a Sharks perspective, I didn't think that the devils played particularly poorly. I feel that the Sharks had as close to a perfect game of flag football as it's, as it's possible to have. Um, and I think that the the forty eight to eighteen win was about right on the day. Um, they 
when on, on offense, I think um, Tom Holwell, very very good quarterback, big arm, very accurate. Um, he he clearly wanted to go deep, and uh, we did a good job of taking that option away from them. Uh, thanks largely in part, it must be said, to uh, Jake Wilson Crown, the the Reading number ninety two, who uh, was very keen to have a conversation with me while I was playing safety. Um, and he, he gave me some some helpful information about what what Isaac liked to do and how Isaac would beat me, and and that was that was pretty useful in defending Isaac. So <laughs> che- cheers, Jake. Um, and uh, you know, I think that we we didn't generate the same number of of takeaways that we normally do, but we we got Reading into fourth and long, well, fourth down and halfway situations on the first three drives and three great plays by a variety of Sharks defenders stopped them getting that fourth down conversion. And on offense, we were, we were clinical. Um, our first three drives all resulted in, in touchdowns. And that was really where, where we extended our lead over them. And from that point, it was, it was fairly smooth sailing by the second half. We were able to rotate in some players and, from you know a defensive coordinator standpoint it was fantastic to see those players come in and there was no noticeable drop off they they played up to the occasion they wanted to be part of of this performance against a, a very very good team um and uh, you know reading i still think they're going to finish second in the league i still think they're going to go 7 and 1 but i'm very proud of how ordinary we made such a good team look yeah, to sort of follow that up with what, what I've gleaned from the Reading boys after the fixture, um, I can directly quote Home Alone here. Um, lack of execution on the day and them just being better than us. Can't really blame it on anything else other than that, was what he said to me. Um, to be honest, it seems symptomatic of a team that uh, probably think they're really good, but we're missing a few players. I know JT wasn't there for some reason. I know there was a few injuries on defence. Um but reality is the Sharks are a very, very good team um, and they take a very focused effort to beat them. Mm. Um, and probably that, I'm not sure whether the focus was lacking or the, the ability to prepare because of the different missing players and different you know combinations you're going to have on the day. Um, but I think there's still a, a, a base feeling within the Reading camp that on a different day they can still beat you. And I think that's why it would be it would be good if this season they they got a rematch. Unfortunately, it's a well, unfortunately for them, it's a it's a one and done this year. Um, I I don't think that every time we played Reading, we'd beat them by thirty points. Um, but I think we were good value for the thirty points on this occasion. Um, sometimes, sometimes, go on. Sorry, Liz. I was going to say, I think with a with a team like Chichester and all the talent they've got on offense and defense, you have to be perfect against them. And if they are perfect on the day, that's a tall order to overcome that. You know, you, you kind of, if you're Reading and, and you may be on paper, Chichester have got the edge on you. You've got to be, you've got to be perfect um, on the field to overcome that edge on paper. But if, they, if, if Chichester, are, if everything's going their way, if everything's, if they're playing the perfect game, how do you beat that? If you've got even the slightest sort of, uh, chink in your armor. Chichester I mean, are gonna are gonna take advantage of that. There were there were various cases of of sort of them being outmatched in certain areas. I mean, 
uh, Jake Wilson-Crown was playing in that sort of linebacker position for them and, and with the best will in the world, you know, he's a, he's a good player. But we, we have various plays that involve um, Shorty and Will sort of stacking up around that centre position and no one can defend both those players. Um, so he didn't really have much of a chance in that department. It's hard enough um, to defend one of them. It, exactly, exactly. And, uh, you know, on, on offence, we we found what was working and we kept using it. And on defence, we, we took away what they wanted to do and, and made uh, made Tom play a different sort of game, which, you know, he's, he's a fantastic player. He's got a cannon of an arm. He's super accurate. Um, but he didn't get his first options um, and that that made them nickel and dime it down the pitch and on, on those crucial fourth downs it was the Sharks players that made the plays So in your assessment Gareth for all the, the crap you gave me last week do you think it, it made a difference not me not being there then? I, I think it did um, I, if, if I'm being brutally honest I, I think Tom has a, a higher ceiling Massively, massively, as a quarterback, um, yep. I think if you were if you were starting a flag football franchise and you were to draft a quarterback from the SWC, I think it would be hard to look past him um, for the potential that he's got and the the ability that he currently has. Um, however, because of what we took away from Reading, I would have said that having a more of a field general short passer would have been beneficial on this occasion. There you go, Holwell. You've had that. I think you're good, but you just need to sharpen yourself up. So I'll have a conversation with you later, mate. I'll, I'll pass on some tricks. I mean, <laughs> he's paraphrasing. I, I said you were better, Tom, but... <laughs> All I heard was, I'm better now. It's just he can be better in the future, which he knew anyway. Um, <laughs> but um, reassuring to know that that, that Chichester record doesn't, doesn't follow... Uh, doesn't follow me specifically. It's still a Reading tag that goes there. Um, I, that they keep me up on uh, Friday night, I have to say. <laughs> so we uh, started with the marquee matchup of the day. Where did it go from there? Um, so the second match was uh, Reading against the Isle of Wight. And Ooh, Reading <laughs> took out some frustrations, I take it. They, they did. Uh, they did. They were... They were as you would expect Reading to be against the Isle of Wight, to be perfectly honest. Um, Isle of Wight did not do a good job of preventing the Reading deep ball. And the main beneficiary of that was Vin Berry, who got deep against them on multiple occasions and was a very safe pair of hands when, uh, when Tom threw him the ball. I think he scored three touchdowns on three posts on three consecutive drives. Um wow. And the Reading offense were able to do almost exactly what they wanted to do against the, the Hellhounds. Um, the Hellhounds, to their credit, um, were, were a danger on offense. They got three touchdowns. Um, Jack played pretty well. And uh, a couple of their receivers, um, Ben Ballard and Dean Bruman, um, made some athletic plays um, and got open against the, the Reading defense. Um, but unfortunately, the Isle of Wight were, were just no match for the Reading offence. And uh, they ran away with it. I think it was 62 to 20 in the end. 62 21. 62 uh, 21. According, according, to, according to League Republic. 
interestingly, Gareth, I'm sat here watching, I'm looking at League Republic and we're not sponsored by them, but if they want to sponsor us, go for it. Um, <laughs> three sacks in the game. That's quite, I mean, that's for a 62 score line, having three sacks, I think is a bit of a standout thing. Was it a case of, you know, good pressure from the blitzer or lack of movement or just isolated incident? I think I think partly lack of movement. Um, I think uh, when Tom had the success with the deep ball, um, he was kind of waiting in the pocket for it to inevitably develop. Um, and on occasions, that meant that uh, uh, the blitzer. I think I think it was Eden for the uh, the White Hellhounds got yep. home on several occasions. Um, but there was no point in that game where it looked like anything other than a Reading win. And uh, I thought that there were a couple of really, really good plays on offense from from Vin and uh, Home Alone got far more into the game than he did against Chichester. Um, and we, we finally got to see a bit of um, his short area quickness. And then uh, number 22, I think it's Chris Jacob. Uh, he made a, a fantastic catch on a on a post route and took it in for a touchdown. It was arguably the play of the day, certainly from a, a I, th- I believe he won play of the day from the uh, the Reading boys. Yeah, and there's a couple of things that go into that. I'd, I'd come after that. Vin is one of them in the sense that on a very, very good Reading offence, Vin has been a very, very stable and um, excellent piece that they've had for years and years and years. I don't think he always gets the credit he deserves. So good to see him having a, a big day against the Isle of Wight. And then secondly, really, it's, you know, I'd have played a very similar style of defence to what Berkshire did, and you can imagine the game plan was kind of copy and paste, really. Yeah, I mean, um, it was it was man defence, and un- unfortunately, uh, they they managed to uh, again. Isaac didn't have it all his own way against them. He, he got deep on a number of occasions, but they they'd also clearly identified him as the main deep threat, um, and because of that, Vin perhaps found himself in a bit more space deep than he, he normally would. No offence to them. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, they were they were all very good catches. And, uh, you know, Tom had sort of dialed in that Vin was open and, and that connection was there most of the game. Yeah, not a lot to argue with with 62 points, is there? No. No, it was, it was as expected, I think, from certainly from, from us on the podcast. <laughs> And then final game of the day, you guys. Yes, so the um, the fifty eight twelve win definitely doesn't tell the whole story of this game. Um, Isle of Wight started really, really well, and I don't know whether it was that we'd just come off the the hype of beating Reading, um, but we were a little bit flat to start with, and. Uh, it was 14-6 um, up to about the final play of the half where we finally managed to get a little bit of daylight. Um, Isle of Wight came out playing very well. Um, Jack was was very accurate with his passes to begin with. Their defence, I, I don't know whether it was they got bored of being beaten deep by Reading, but they clearly decided that wasn't going to happen against Chichester. Um <laughs> Dan it's funny Tom- because you guys don't really run a lot of deep concepts, though, do you? You you keep thinking that. <laughs> yeah, okay. Maybe, maybe maybe it's changed. I don't know. I'm not a defensive <laughs> guru. 
I just think in my head you just give it to Will and Shorty and just let them work a lot. Well, thankfully in, in this circumstance when, when Isla White did a very good job of taking away the deep option, led it must be said by uh, Dan Thompson who had a fantastic game both defensively and on offence. He caught an absolute circus catch in the end zone. But he, as, as much fun as I had against Reading, he was not going to let me have any against the Isle of Wight. He played me better than I think I've been played in a, in a long time. And uh, he, he just took away any deep option that we had. Thankfully, of course, we, we can revert to, let's just give it to Shorty and watch him run. And for much of the second half, that is what happened. We, uh, we dropped Shorty into the backfield for a lot of plays. Um, that gave Neil an extra level to throw to, even though it's you know a short one. And uh, Shorty did what Shorty does. And uh, he had a rushing touchdown, a rushing two-point extra point, three receiving touchdowns, and he even threw a touchdown to Neil Henderson. <laughs> uh, and and a two extra point to Neil and Henderson. So I, um, I did. I was just reading the stats, and I was going to bring it up. Has Neil got a taste for it? Do you think? <laughs> I think he might have. Um, it's probably because <laughs> I don't really let him play defense. Uh, Coming back I... out of retirement already. <laughs> um, but I, I, you know, I thought that the Isle of Wight were were much better against us than they were against Reading. Um, Jack Holder, when he was playing. Uh, defense he's one of the few players i've seen um regularly flag shorty um you know if short if he hadn't been there i think shorty would have scored eight touchdowns um and uh, there was a, a good moment for everybody there when uh, on a quite a long pass jack hit uh, roger brown for a touchdown while he had i believe it was shorty and uh, andy practically draped all over him and Roger reached up and plucked it out of the air in the corner of the end zone. Oh, fantastic. Um, and, and I think other than Shorty and Andy who were covering him, everybody felt a little warm glow at that point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's, in- it's interesting you say about Jack and I think it might've been two of us, if not all three of us picked him out as one of those players to watch at the start of the year. He by far is one of the most complete flag players in the SWC and and by virtue of being on an Isle of Wight team that probably doesn't always get the limelight it, it so necessarily deserves, um, he kind of flies under the radar. So good to hear him still sort of knocking on with his uh, his ability and uh, and showing him some good performances despite a uh, a stacked scoreline. Yeah, and uh, and Jack will appear later in the podcast uh, ruining some predictions. So I'll tease that now, and we'll get to it later. <laughs> <laughs> So finally, uh, we head to Berkshire, where the Renegades were hosting. Um, now, I think just on—I mean, obviously, I don't know what happened really at the other two game days, but just on score lines alone, and having been there, uh, this was game day of the week because all three games were thrillers. If you're a neutral, this is the game day you want it to be at, and that that started off with uh, the Renegades versus the Supers. Um, which actually, having having given it that um, that kind of build up for the whole game day, uh, this was probably the 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 game. I think the the scoreline is deceptive in that you know hundred and one points were scored, but Western went up two scores early, and I think from then on 
kind of took their foot off the gas, <laughs> to be honest, and still put right. 60 points up. Um, offensively, uh, I felt like Western felt like they could score whenever, and they did. Um, defensively, I'm not sure if I'm not sure if they gave it their all. Um, Berkshire had to work hard to score points, but regularly did score points. Um, but then Western would just come out and score in 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 a throw, one you know one one throw length of the field or a dump off to Sam who would, you know, make everyone miss. It was generally offensively, it only took one or two plays for Western to score a touchdown. Um, whereas Berkshire were, they had a, they had a couple of moments where they were able to you know get behind the defense for you know once one one play scores. Um, but despite the score line. I didn't get the feeling from Western that they were afraid, um, and 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 fair play to to Berkshire. Like he's, uh, I'm I'm not sure of the chap's name, the quarterback. Um, trying to look up their roster on on League Republic, but I can't I can't remember what number he was either. So uh, I'm afraid I'm not sure his name. But the quarterback he'll come up a lot in this. Um, very good, very strong arm, very shifty. Um, very difficult to put under pressure, avoided a lot of blitzes and has an absolute rocket for an arm. Um, so there were a couple of occasions and, and, and like I said, I, I feel like Western uh, perhaps weren't at their best defensively, but um, but offensively they way too easy, found it way too easy to score. And, and we use the phrase quite often on the show, I don't think they ever really came out of second gear. Uh, not on offense, anyway. Are we going to get T-shirts with that on at some point? <laughs> I'll put it to Marcus. I think he's looking into um, some kind of merchandising uh, ideas. So yeah, this was uh, was probably not as close as as maybe. I mean, it's not, I, I I see it's a um, almost a twenty point deficit. Um, but when you see a hundred points, you think, oh, that must have been a close game. But I don't think Western were really in in any danger. Um, One of those games sounds... where they just kept them at arm's length, really. I think. Isn't yeah, it? I think so. They they never really uh, had to break a sweat on offense to score points, and it was just like, oh, they've scored. Okay, well, we'll just you know we'll counter that with a score of our own. Um, but I think the next game, Gareth, you called it. I mean. Two, two ticks for you guys. Gareth, you called Game of the Week, and I think this absolutely was Game of the Week. And Jay, a tick for you, Renegades beating the Falcons. Um, fair play. Yeah, you, you both called it, and absolutely, I think this was the Game of the Day. What a thriller. Um, and, and I've said this, I, I went over and spoke to the Renegades after the game um, and said this to them as well. If, if there's ever a game that you're happy to lose, that was it, because nobody likes losing, but I mean, like, that was an a thrilling, a thrilling game and a joy to be a part of. Um, and it was back and forth all the way. Um, I don't think, I don't think anyone ever led by more than a score at, at any point. Um, it was back and forth, back and forth. Uh, I, I thought we might have got it. Um, we got the ball back with 40 seconds left in the game. I think 40 seconds and two timeouts. Um, we drove down in three or four plays and scored a touchdown. And unfortunately it was a two point conversion, the gutsy call to go for the win um, 
instead of the draw that that in in the end cost us. Um, wow! But, so you had you had an opportunity to win the game then. Absolutely, yeah. And we we scored with two seconds left on the clock. We scored a touchdown to bring it within a point, and then it was: Do I want a one point for the draw? Do I want two points uh, to take the victory? Um, and I was like, Well, I didn't come here to to draw, uh, and went for the two point win. Uh, and and I'll put it on myself as well. I mean, fair play. The the Renegades defense did a really good job of of locking the receivers down for you know five or six seconds after the snap. Um, which, you know, my with my the way I was, you know, pumping and moving around and my footwork, I ended up crossing the line of scrimmage um, before I it, it eventually hit Ed, who caught it, uh, and it would have been it would have been the, the victorious uh, catch. But um, no, I was quite rightly called as uh, over the line of scrimmage, illegal run, and all cancelled out. What a way to lose, huh? Well, I'm a, bit, just, I'm, I'm a bit in shock. I didn't realise it was quite that much of a finish. <laughs> it was absolutely, yeah, like I say, we scored with two seconds left on the clock. I, I would have been shocked if they could have, uh, you know, scored with, I mean, obviously with two seconds left on the clock, they had a cannon for a gap, but we would have just put, we just put five guys in the end zone. Um, yeah. And and not, because like I say, that, that their quarterback was phenomenal at avoiding the blitz. He's so shifty. And like, that was, a big part of the reason why I think we struggled. Like Callum did a really good job, um, I think, of blitzing, but he really worked hard and he was blowing. But that quarterback, we were just not able to generate any pressure because he was so good at avoiding the blitz. Um, and like I say, he's just got an absolute rocket-fueled arm. Uh, so it was it was a lot of deep balls and there was a lot of, um, uh, you know, he'd roll out one way and just look for, look for his deepest option. There was one, um, one pass that I just sticks with me the whole time which is uh oh, what was the chap's name um i think it was number 81 i think his name's dan um and he was deep downfield and we had basically perfect bracket coverage um you know jake was in front of him ed was behind him um it was a, a pass on the sideline it was just one of those one of those passes from god that just perfectly dropped down in a in the bucket and right between the two defenders, where only and, and and where only he could get it, and it was ah, it was difficult to watch, but at the same time, it was just like fair play. That was that was a really good play. Um, and and I that, sort of and not to be the I told you so sort of person, but I did tell you Berkshire were getting better and better with every single weekend they played. Um, it was yeah. just a matter of time before they, you know, look put it like this: they've put forty and forty-one points up over a weekend, so eighty points, eighty-one points. They're a good team, and they were they just are. waiting. They, they were just waiting for their they, opportunity to take it. They, they absolutely are, and and we've we've caveated everything on this show with when it comes to Berkshire by saying we just don't know, we just haven't seen enough of them. We, like me and me and Gareth in particular have never seen these guys on the field. It's only ever been um, what's on social media, and there isn't much of that. Uh, so really, all we've got to go by is how Reading did against them, and. Rudding are a very good team uh, and probably not the best kind of sample to take. Um, but yeah, all credit to them. I am, I'm a, I'm a convert. I'm a, I'm a big Berkshire fan and um, they are the nicest bunch of guys as well. And, um, and, and, you know, gracious in victory and, yeah. and humble. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm big Berkshire fans. Um, and, but also 
like I'm incredibly proud of of the Falcons and the way that they uh, you know took to the game. We lost uh, we lost Alex on I think the third play of the day uh, on third down. Um, I kind of he was he was touch and go for the day anyway because uh, he was dealing with the hamstring injury and I think I led him out of bounds on a corner and that was just too much of a stretch that was it so on third down on our first drive he was out for the day so we were from there on um, pretty much playing uh, a lot of Ironman football um, so you know as the game I, I, we got to the end of the, we got to the end of this game which was an absolute thriller um, and we thought we'd been playing all day I couldn't believe we had another game to play uh, we were absolutely wrecked, and but I mean, everyone stepped up. Jake had his usual uh, day, great day at the back. I think he got two interceptions, and but also made some phenomenal plays on offense. Tom Wood, um, who was uh, eventually afterwards um, voted by the team as our MVP, he was just not just great to have around from a kind of morale perspective. Um, and he, but he normally just plays cornerback um, and he got managed to get two touchdowns on the day, uh, which I, you know, well, happy to admit I would, would not have expected. Um, uh, and, and yeah, everyone, everyone gave absolutely everything. Nobody quit. They left it all out of the field, and that's that's all I can ask for. And and I said I, I said to them after the field, and I said after the game, and I said to um, Berkshire as well, if if you're going to lose a game, I think that's the way to do it. And and I'm I'm no no hard feelings, no animosity at all, no like no regrets. We we played our best game and and still lost. Just um, you know, you, you have those games where like if you if I mean if if we'd lost to um, if we'd lost in game day one to like Isle of Wight, we didn't necessarily play our best game. Um, so that would be more annoying than I think than playing your best, the best game you could um, and, uh, and still losing. So yeah, fair play to them. It was a, it was a cracking game. And we've said throughout this podcast, it's you know it's a shame that you don't get to play those reverse fixtures, but mm. not not in the same way that it is a full reverse fixture. But at least your other team does get a crack at Berkshire, and I'm sure there will be some shared learnings that go in there um, with the with the other extra team, um, which potentially make that second fixture more juicy. Yeah, I'm not sure when they play them, whether it's game day three or four. But yeah, I mean, I've certainly got a few tips for them. Um, I believe it's four, Lewis, because I, I think, I think we're oh. down in Exeter with both of those teams. Ah, there you are then. Yeah, so, oh, and it's a nice home game for them as well. Excellent. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I'll, I mean, yeah, of course, I'll be sharing my learning with them and um, and, and a few tips for them. But um, I, yeah, I'd definitely like to have a, another crack at Berkshire. Hopefully, with a, a healthy Alex and um, some of our other rookies who are um, a little more reluctant to go straight into National League play, I think is probably the best way to put it. Um, but also, I mean, like, shout out to Ed, who again had uh, another um, stellar performance offense defensively. Um, Callum did a great job of, of blitzing, even though he didn't, you know, pick up, I don't think he picked up any sacks, but he did keep the pressure up and he, and he kept working hard and kept making the, the quarterback work hard. Um, and, and, and Susie as well, I think had her, 
probably best game in a Falcons uniform to date. Just the, the chemistry and the timing was was perfect. She made some really tough contested catches, um, and quite often made the um, made the first defender miss and had a touchdown robbed off her because she definitely stretched. And she definitely got it. But anyway, sounds like controversy down uh, down in Berkshire. And so, <laughs> and then your your other game then. So Exeter versus Western looks looks fairly comfortable from Western from the outside looking in 3926 uh I don't think so I think no? I think that's uh I think that's um misleading um this this was uh back and forth for a little while I can't remember exactly what, what the score was at halftime but um they might have they might have been two scores up early I think um and I think they may have fallen into um some kind of not complacency, but we all know what Western are like. They they're a good bunch of lads that enjoy playing football and um, and they have fun with it and they banter and maybe sometimes they lose focus or if they think if their confidence is up, um, then they might uh, you know take start taking the game a little less seriously. Um, than a lot of a lot of other teams. Um, I'm not necessarily saying that's definitely what happened, but um, as I've said before, we've never beaten Western, um, and they've always beaten us quite comfortably. And we've often got into uh, you know arguments and things mainly based off the fact that they have won quite comfortably, and you know they they don't mind letting you know about it. Um, and it can be difficult when you're down to see, you know, that level of relaxation, I guess, in a game. Um, and I think for the first time, played Western a couple of times, you know, twice in 2019 and Southwest Series games and various affiliate friendlies and things. But this was the game day that for the first time, I think I saw them panic. Um, panic's the wrong word, but they definitely sharpened up and they were like, oh, actually, you know what? Exeter are in this game. And, and for, a, um, for a couple of minutes in the second half, we were up. We managed to get the score up. We were up by a point and then they scored on the very next drive and then we scored on the very next drive and we were up by a point again. And that kind of went on um, throughout the second half uh, until yet another controversial call uh, as to whether or not um, young Jake Tillett had managed to stretch over the line before he was tagged. Um, uh, the the referees had a a good long chat about it. Uh, the annoyingly the um, the front line touchline judge who should be looking at the front of the end zone uh, said that he couldn't see it. He, he didn't didn't could, didn't know either way. Um, the line of scrimmage judge was adamant that he was tackled before the back judge was adamant that he was, it was a touchdown. Um, so they talked about it for a good long while uh, and eventually said, you know, gave the ruling that he was tagged short and that was fourth down. That would have put her, put us back in the lead by a point um, to, if we'd got the extra point. Um, and then on the ensuing drive, Western went down and scored again. So that's where they went two scores up. Uh, and then it was yeah, just didn't have time then to 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 come come back and win and get two scores. 
Um, but yeah, it's a two-score lead on the scoreboard, but uh, it was, I think, right up until the last minute of the game, um, we were in it and we were ahead at times and they sharpened up and was unfocused and, you know, started calling at each other and checking um, defensive calls and alignments and, you know, asking about rules and, you know, not not necessarily arguing, but, you know, they started asking, what's the score and how much time's left on the clock, you know, and there was just a little bit of, a bit more urgency about their play, which I don't think the Falcons have ever forced them to do before. So that was progress, at least. Got it. So it was, it was a much... It was a much tighter game that's been in history, and maybe with the opportunity to have your sort of one one big squad together, Exeter maybe might have driven it slightly closer than they would have done years gone by. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think if we if we'd put, um, you know, maybe maybe even just having Alex uh, not injured might have been the, the difference maker. But uh, who knows? We, you know, there's so many variables with that. We were second game the day we were all knackered from basically playing. Iron Man, you know, Callum had a bleeding nose at one point and Jake fell awkwardly on his shoulder and Ed's groin was holding on by a thread. So everyone was everyone was really playing warriors. Um so yeah, you could say that if I've if we we might have made more of a game of it. Um if uh, if we'd had, you know, a, a strict kind of these are the best ten people on the team um going out against it. I don't know. It's impossible to say, isn't it? But from 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 my perspective, um, doesn't matter who I've got on the field to go out and put the performance that we did against Western um, and see that level of progress. I was very happy. And from the from the other side, it's it's good to see Western bounce back after a, a disappointing first week because they've got some big games coming up against. Uh, the Kings and against Reading, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how those games pan out for them. Yeah, Matt. Matt was um, Matt was back under centre. He was is on his usual form. Um, Sam was was his usual self. You know, very elusive, very fast. Um, but I think uh, I think Bailey's um, gotten a bit more. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, athletic. I think he's trimmed a little bit and. He's looking a little leaner and a bit, bit faster on his feet. So uh, his improvement there, I think defensively, um, off- offensively, I don't think much has changed. I think they look very similar. They've very well drilled. They execute the plays that they do very well, but I didn't see any plays that I hadn't seen before. Um, defensively, I think uh, I think they miss Jacob at the back quite a lot. Um I think they had Gareth Brock playing back there most of the time, um, and yeah, I think I think I think Jacob. I think Matt said Jacob is out probably for the rest of the season. He had an ACL injury, um, I think, at the end of 2019 that still isn't properly healed and is probably not missing the rest of this season as well. So, I think that's probably um, a big blow for them. I think they miss him at the back. The big difference there. Yeah, and like you say, Gareth, it'll be interesting to see when... Uh, at the start of the season, I wouldn't have said the Kings versus Western would have been a particularly interesting game because I, I would have said that Western would have walked it. Um, but, but based on the two sort of trajectories of the team, you know, Kings have gotten better over time and Western have had some uh, different results, I'd say. I wouldn't say they were bad ones, but different ones. Um, it becomes a much more 
close game and that Reading game is, is really going to be um, it's a potential banana peel for Reading in their pursuit for second and I think it's Western's great opportunity to go and steal a victory there and, and put themselves back into that that top three top four conversation um, after the the opening two losses yeah I mean you guys as quarterbacks will know that you'll know this better than me but when you when you're missing your starting quarterback even if you feel that you've got a, a good substitute, um, it's not the same. They don't take the same number of reps in practice. They're not as mm. au fait mm. with the offense. And, you know, they, they lost to us by four points and they were they were unlucky to lose that one. The, the Cheltenham game, admittedly, a blip um, in terms of their performances. But, you know, I think that with with Matt at the helm, they they can beat anyone in this league and... and uh, you know, it seems to me like they've they've got somewhat back on track this week. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uncharacteristically, a lot of um, a lot of deep balls as well, particularly in their game against the Renegades. Um, mm. They yeah, he's certainly got a bit more confidence with uh, with throwing it deep. Bailey had a really a really nice catch down the left hand sideline, properly outstretched fingertips, um, stretching the field. That was a good play. Yeah, I've noticed over a couple of friendlies we've played against Western that Matt's sort of been working on his deep ball more and more um, because it's an element to that offence that probably was was waiting to be unleashed and, and just needed the reps. So, uh, good to see it sort of connecting up. Yeah, it's certainly coming along, that, that deep game. Um, and just another weapon in their arsenal. So, on to our bold predictions then, presumably. Or should we, do, should we look at the table first? So the table as it stands, since as I have it in front of me, uh, Chichester at the top, four and zero, just hot on their heels of the Devils with three and one. Canesham also sitting at three and one, but uh, I think they have a um, points difference yeah. of twenty three to yeah. uh, Reading's sixty six. Reading uh, had the benefit of, of you know putting a lot of points on Berkshire and Isle of Wight, uh, which we we missed on Berkshire, so. Um... They've got the, the leg up on us in that department. And then Cheltenham bring up fourth, two and two, and as our Western, two and two. Uh, really, really strangely, though, Western have scored exactly the same amount of points as they've allowed. They have a points difference of exactly zero. <laughs> Well, that's classic Western. They're, they're very detailed in their approach to uh, so and they'd, they'd hate imbalance. I, I think it's, uh, I think it, I quite like it in a sense that, that they've basically just wiped out that that first game day. You know, it's just like it never happened. Uh, let's just, you know, start from scratch. Like, I like that. I think in Chichester's mind, it definitely still happened. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and I, I, would, I would also like to just add my, uh, a statistic that I worked out easier. People who, people who know me know that I, I love a stat. Um, but uh, the Chichester Sharks... Only the London Smoke have scored more per game than the Sharks, <laughs> and it's and they're not even one point ahead. So we're coming for them. Anybody out there in Baffer? I feel like Chichester might be pushing for a Premier League spot. That's just a theory. It's just a theory. We, we, um, well, we we need to we need to win the division first, and then then we'll certainly be putting that pitch in if that happens. 
Yeah, let's just put it in the back say, of their minds. Is, is, that, is, that, is that something that you think the the, um, the Sharks would, would go for if it was if it I mean, was look, we, we, we understand that we have, we have no right to be in the Premiership. It's been made very clear from the start that this season was not a promotion season. Um, but were we given the opportunity to play in the Premiership next year, uh, we, we would absolutely take it. Because I think, like, I mean... Looking at what the what the SWC Premiership should have been um, going into twenty twenty before COVID hit, um, the Southern Reapers should have been Premiership. They don't yeah. exist, and they would have been SWC. Um, and the Outlaw Flag Gunslingers would would have been the other SWC Premiership team. Neither of those exist, and in a perfect world, we would rather have the Premiership with a full complement of six teams in each conference. Mm. And then everybody else makes up the divisions in however many numbers you can um, in Div 1. So it, it, I think they would um, prefer that, like say, that those, um, those slots get filled up. Uh, so with, with, it, with it potentially being two open um, premiership slots next year, because you know teams don't exist anymore, uh, it's definitely something that I will, I would consider putting to the committee and seeing what they say. I mean, without without going into into too much detail, it, it, if we if we went zero and four for the rest of the season, it's a it's a moot point. You know, we we're focused on winning the division, preferably going undefeated. If we can keep scoring at the same level that the smoke is scoring, then great, and that that gives us a decent case to be to be put in but you know there may well be other division one teams who have played and been successful this year who feel that they also deserve a shot Mm. at the premiership I mean Reading so far have only lost one game personally I I said from the start of the season that I saw them going seven and one could they compete in the SWC Prem I think so um so you know, not, and not going to throw the king's name in there. Then Gareth, we've got the same record. Not, not yet. But talk to me again at the end of the season. The trajectory you're on is a good one. Okay, all right. <laughs> I think there's maybe something to be said there as well about a, a, um, like rookie team in COVID times. I don't know. You might not necessarily be at the uh, the top of the phone call list when if we were looking for teams. Craig will probably slap me in the face for saying this, Lewis. I don't think we've really got any Premiership ambitions this year. I think that might be a step too far for a first-year team. um... In in fairness, I think Craig alluded to that when he came on and you know introduced the Kings in in the podcast we did way back when. You know, it's a it's very much a building year for you guys, and it's gone really, really well so far. Um, And we we've still got to play undoubtedly what the heavyweights in the, in the division is, is your Chichester Gareth and we've still got to play the defending Div 1 champs Western so let's not take everything for granted here <laughs> we've still got a couple of, uh, of burners on the schedule I just think it's a funny um, a funny comment to make um, but I mean presumably but... presumably though if the Sharks do go up uh, there'll be some sort of Amazon documentary that will follow you around for the following oh, I, season won't there I would hope so I mean the, the way the way we've got uh, the way we're going on social media at the moment with uh, our new rookie Lisa who's doing all of our uh, our filming. Maybe we don't even need to hire someone. Maybe she could do the whole thing. But I think oh, so. hang, on, hang on, hang on, guys. It's just just got HBO on the phone from Hard <laughs> uh, And if you're looking for someone to narrate it, I'm sure me and Lewis can come in and do a job for you. Um, and shout out in general, as, as as you mentioned, Lisa there, and I and I know the Kings. Um, 
Jordan does a fantastic job of our film for us. There's lots of various sort of, you know, development players or girlfriends or, you know, just keen photographers or filmers that do a really good job of uh, filming for social media and various film studies up and down the country. So shout out to all of you that are involved. Uh, on your respective teams because you do make a big difference well i would round I would. of applause for all the support staff absolutely often go uh un- underappreciated i would also like, like to quickly make the point that lisa played her first set of baffer games on uh on saturday came on blitzed you don't see her on the stat sheet but she was responsible for at least three interceptions and her coverage was good enough on one particular play that uh, John Venables, who was another player that we rotated in, managed to get that most elusive play uh, a safety. So, uh, oh, really, I see that on social. Yeah, he was absolutely gassed about it. I looked at he, it. He certainly was. <laughs> but um, yeah, a really, really, she's she's come on leaps and bounds since she joined the club this season. Played in her first game day, and she was faultless at blitz. So well done, Lisa, and thank you for the photography as well. Player first, photographer second. <laughs> <laughs> this coming from a guy who was a uh, stat man for a little while feeling feeling the potential there to be overlooked <laughs> I, I always I always find it bad particularly when when I'm a defensive coach you know I'm I'm very much a proponent of the blitzer gets in the way with their hands up then they go for sacks and uh, you know Lisa is one of those people who has who has taken that instruction on board and and does exactly what I want the blitzer to do unselfishly and perfectly and that means she doesn't get any stats but you know she was responsible for at least three interceptions on the day and yeah the blitz are often gets pressures, isn't it? So i'd also like to shout out andy and craig because they blitzed for the day as well and they just do a great job of being completely unselfish yeah you don't you don't necessarily make the tackle or make the pick but you do make you do make the play if that makes sense exactly yeah, it's a very unit-based um, ethos, so that's it's good to hear. Yeah. Um, so sorry, Lewis, we sort of diverted. That yeah, so the table. just uh, just rounding rounding up the table, uh, Exeter Falcons Blacks um, pick up sixth place, currently sitting at two and two. Shortly behind are the Exeter Falcons Greens at one and three, followed by the Renegades at one and three, and uh, poor old Isle of Wight Hellhounds sit at zero oh and four at the bottom of the table, which I think is very unfair. Um, yeah, they, I agree. They, they definitely, from from the games that we played uh, in game day one, zero and four is uh, a very unfortunate um, representation. I don't think. I think they they're better than that. Yeah, there's there's two good storylines in there really at the bottom of the table, and I think Isle of Wight are probably the best no win team I've ever seen. Um, yeah, and then you got the two extra teams are on joint records. Sorry, not on joint records. One's one one more game than the other. Yeah, um, we beat them. That was that's that's the difference. Yeah, that, that's the difference, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. It'll be interesting to see what that finishes up at the end of the year because the black team, from what I can see, has scored a significant amount more points than what the green team have. Um, you know that difference of having a quarterback and not having a quarterback, maybe maybe playing into it slightly there, Lewis. Mm. Um, not not to not to dump on you too much over the course of two podcasts. Ha- having Ed and not having Ed, I think, is also a big one. <laughs> yeah, there's that as well. There's that as well. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I think this is um, this week was. I mean, this the amount of points that we were able to put up this week um, is part of the reason why I'm I'm so immensely proud of of the team that we were the the, the black team this week. Um, I've as I've said plenty of times before, we're not 
necessarily a team that is geared towards putting up masses of points. Like to get anywhere near forty points for us is it, it doesn't happen. Um, so yeah, I think that's a testament to uh, to how we played this weekend that we just offensively everything clicked. Um, there was a couple of calls that didn't go our way, but everyone stepped up next, you know, when, when Ali went down, it was all very much next man up mentality. So, um, yeah, proud of the way we battled this week. But anyway, uh, shall we move on to our bold predictions? Yeah. I think we as, as we've alluded to before, uh, Jay, well done. Renegades win over the Falcons. Uh, I think you put it down as uh, a sixteen twelve win was your was your actual prediction. Um, yeah, there's not a lot more firepower. <laughs> yeah, a lot more firepower on the show than probably I gave uh, either team credit for there. But uh, look, I told you it was coming. Berkshire are a good side, and they're again <laughs> they're one of these new teams that are so hungry to learn, and they're picking it up all the time. It was inevitable, and, and I'm I'm looking forward to number two win coming out of there. Um, Kiwi's doing a really good job of uh, improving that unit. Was Kiwi's that a, doing a perfect day for you, was that Jay? In I think I, predictions. I, so, I, so for context for the audience, I'm on holiday, so I didn't bring any of my notes with my, with me. I think I did go perfect though. So you had, let's go through it. You had Kings beating Falcons Green, correct. Uh, you had Neptunes beating Falcons, correct. You had Kings beating Neptunes, correct. Redding to beat the Isle of Wight, Sharks to beat the Isle of Wight, Sharks to beat Redding. Uh, Supers to beat Western, uh, Western to beat Renegades, sorry, um, Renegades to beat Falcons, and Supers to beat Falcons. So, yeah, you were perfect on the day. Well done. So, mm-hmm. I am the best pundit in the world. <laughs> Local news channels and, take note. You do and not your, to... and your bold prediction was right. <laughs> well, one of them was. I'm not sure my Tisha's challenge slash bold prediction was. We'll, we'll, we'll come to that in a minute. <laughs> I'm not sure your game of the week prediction was correct either. Uh, but then, um, yeah, who saw that coming? Yeah, right. Too right. How about everybody else's bold predictions? What were they? So me. Gareth had, if the Devils win, then they'll win out the rest of the season. So uh, the I'm, Devils... I'm, I'm right by default. <laughs> it's a bit of a cop out, Gareth. You're they also do. you're also wrong by default. No, no, no. Grammatically incorrect. <laughs> if the Devils win, they'll go unbeaten. They didn't win, so it's I'm right. I, I, well, Gareth, not, you've got some serious homework to do for next the next podcast because yeah, right. that is so weak. Yeah, <laughs> I want to see a marked improvement in uh, preparation for the next preview show. And, fruit. Was, yeah. <laughs> and my my prediction was that Gareth would get a pick six at last. Now I understand there's a story behind this. I've I've prepared a, a short statement so I don't get too <laughs> too excitable. Um, after intercepting the ball on halfway, I returned it to the Isle of Wight end zone. Uh, Jack Holder made a superb tackle. Uh, the Reading. Line judge, home alone, who I believe to be, what have I written here? A gentleman and a man of incorruptible honour. Uh, <laughs> See, this is exactly the kind of preparation that I was talking about. Made the call uh, that uh, I was stopped on the one yard line. And I can only assume uh, that his view was blocked by the horde of jubilant supporters celebrating my first pick six. <laughs> 
So your team let you down. <laughs> <laughs> no, in fairness, it was a it was a very difficult call to make. I I thought I was in. I thought I'd reached the ball clearly into the end zone. It was a really really good tackle by Jack at full speed. Um, that, that's all I have to say on the subject, to be honest. I'm probably just sore that I didn't score. <laughs> yeah, you can tell on the line that you are seething there, Gareth. Um, and Home Alone, the gift basket is in the mail. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm, I, I'm pretty sure it was, a, it was a close call. But you know how it is when you've reached the ball into the end zone and you hear the flag pop. As, as, the, as the person with the ball, you always think you're in. Yeah, but, too uh, It's not your decision. So, so I'm I think, sure uh, you were reminded of that. Oh, I've been um, reminded of that by my own team and by think, anyone who listened to the podcast. Home Alone's, um, I think he's uh, he's missed a trick here um, because he's played the short game and yeah, okay, he's taken your your golden egg of a pick six away from you. Uh, however, if he if he'd given it, there is a chance that the jubilant. Uh, celebrations would have led to a Chichester Shark being ejected from the game, no? Well, that, that's possible. For, for celebrating. <laughs> it's not beyond the realms of possibility. That's about the only time I would celebrate uh, in that sort of manner. <laughs> so, I'm disappointed in you, Home Alone. You, you were short-sighted. So, Dis- so... Disappointed in him for making what was probably the right call, <laughs> at, least, at least from his angle. So a bit of an inquest into that one, then. So... What were there ample opportunities to try and get ejected by the sharks, or and was it the referees letting them down, or were the referees trying really, really hard, but you were so well behaved because uh, we, you're all a bunch of wusses? We don't. I, I don't. I don't know whether it's the fact that we've all we've all come through flag, and and none of us have really been that much involved with kitted teams, but we we don't tend to really celebrate much until we've won, and that's not like. I'm not saying that's necessarily the right way to do it. It's just just how we are. We're a very much hand the ball back to the referee and get on with it team. The the only notable celebration was was JV getting his uh, his safety, um, which which we all thought was deserved. So I think that was really the only opportunity to eject a shark for a celebration. And all he did was put his hands up. Yeah, it's back to the drawing board for next week, I think. Um, yeah, well, that I, was, I, I, uh... I specifically targeted to not be a negative one. What what you missed up. was what you missed was predicting that Neil Henderson would elevate himself from catching an extra point to catching a touchdown. Oh, well, that was easy. If I'd said that, he would have just done it because he's good at football. <laughs> it's not really fair. I was interesting to do. Uh-huh. Neil catching touchdowns now is not interesting. Fair enough. Yeah, you can do better with your Chichester challenge next week. I think. Yeah, it's back to the drawing board for me. (laughs) All right. Well, I think that's that's everything for this week. Um, Thank you once again, chaps. Let's just take a quick look at what games we've got coming up next week. Um, I think we have uh, Cheltenham Neptunes are hosted again, and I think they are hosting the Isle of Wight Hellhounds and the Berkshire Renegades. Uh, Western Supers host Falcons Green and the Reading Devils. And Chichester are hosting Canesham and the Extra Falcons black team. So there's plenty of uh, football to look forward to uh, in two weeks' time, I believe. Yeah, excited to get back to it. The fact that it's a tight turnaround makes it even more interesting. You've got to be worried from a Chichester perspective about uh, Jay's ability to predict the scores and the fact that he doesn't pick against himself. It's a dangerous combination. (laughs) <laughs> is it is it an interesting one, fellas, where we're all at the same weekend? 
It is. It is. Yeah. So we we'll have to. I think we'll we'll look to get some guests on uh, so we can cover those um, cover those other game days. Yeah, absolutely. I think we well, need yeah. a bit more. We need someone absolutely. else's view on uh, what what Chichester could do. Um, <laughs> we wouldn't we wouldn't want to deprive our our many listeners of our high quality content by no well no of course not i think it'd be good it'd be good to get uh, some some preview analysis from people who are going to be there what they're expecting things but especially for that review show that we'll do afterwards um just to find out what happened I and mean, we will we can't really spend the entire time just talking about the game one game day that we were all at as much uh, as we would as much as we do an hour doing that. <laughs> so we just do a separate podcast for that one yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, teams, if you're listening, um, by all means, get in touch if you want to come on. Otherwise, I'll be asking for volunteers. Um, but until then, thank you, gentlemen, once more. Yeah, Welcome. cheers, Lewis. Been fun. Always a pleasure chatting football with you. And I look forward to catching up with you next week where we'll, uh, we'll preview game day three of the Baffer National League 2021 season in the SWC. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Cheers, guys. That wraps up this episode. Find us on Facebook at First and Fifteen Podcast. Give us a like to keep up with all our shows. Also, check out our sponsor, Nuola, for all your customized sportswear supplies.